Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. We do this each week here on Locked on Blazers. There's a couple ways to get involved if you want to get in on the mailbag. You can just tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of a question or wait for Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time when I send out a tweet soliciting questions. Or if you're not a Twitter user, you can email the show. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com is the address. That's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Shoot me a note there and I'll get you in the show. Like I said, we do this each week in season or off season. We keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. So if this is your first one, it'll be back next week. If this is your 30th, I think we've probably done about 30 of these. If this is your 30th one, if you're a longtime listener, appreciate you just the same. But Mailbag Monday is still going to be back next week for you too. Without further ado, let's get into it. The first question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, Every year, writers both national and local call on the Blazers to do a similar list of things. Trade CJ McCollum. Trade out of the draft. Hire a defensive-minded assistant coach. Sign a veteran backup point guard. They never happen. Are they likely to happen this year? So let's take them one by one. Trade CJ. Nope, that's that's not going to happen. Trade out of the draft. Maybe um, I, I could see the Blazers using their 16th pick in the draft to get some to upgrade the roster slightly. They're probably more in a mode where they could use a veteran presence more than a rookie for for kind of what they're trying to do here in the next uh, 12 months or so. I certainly could see that happening, although it's not a lock. And I also don't think that's something that writers call on each year for. Um, That's really neither here nor there, though. Every draft is different. This one happens to be maybe one you want to trade out of or maybe one you'll regret trading out of. We'll see. Hire a a defensive-minded assistant coach. This seems to be a theme like as if uh, coaches have more impact than personnel. Any writer that thinks that Ron Adams is going to make Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum a good defensive tandem, Ron Adams being the assistant for the Golden State Warriors and who worked for Tibbs in Chicago, one of the great defensive minds, worked for Doc in, in Boston, one of the great defensive minds in the league, as if like Ron Adams' defensive philosophies are going to make two guards under six foot four better on defense. Yeah, right. Um, don't trust those people. Also, the idea that, that Terry Stotzik somehow doesn't understand defense, maybe he's a little bit stubborn in changing up his defenses, but when he's had good defensive personnel, they finished as one of the top 10 defenses in the league. It's a stupid thing. Sign a veteran backup PG. I probably am not as on board as this as other smart people are. Not because I don't think it would help um, some sort of other floor general to soak up 12 minutes, 14 minutes a night would be valuable. I just don't think the Blazers as constructed based on what my history of understanding how Neil Olshay does stuff are going to sign a backup point guard. So I'm not calling for it. Uh, I think that's the most likely of them to happen is they sign a backup PG out of those um, trade out of the draft. Number two, hire defensive minded assistant three and trade CJ four. Those are, that's it ranked. Next question comes from Jacob from Gmail. Jacob asks, you often refer to Damien Lode as the franchise's best player. I call him the best player in franchise history. He's certainly the best player of the franchise right now, but I'm calling him the best player in franchise history. Jacob implores me to compare and contrast. Blazers led by Drexler, Blazers led by Lillard. That's Clyde Drexler, for those of you who don't know. I.e., Jacob continues, what did these leaders bring and what did they both have to work with? So I 
was I am first of all too too young to really appreciate Drexler's prime in Portland and also lived on the other side of the country uh, grew up in North Carolina go Tar Heels so I don't I am not the most qualified to sort of speak on Drexler in his prime but I've I've read about and talked to people who watched it so while I'm not your number one source I'm not totally sort of ignorant of the of the circumstances I think Dame from what I understand is a it's massively better leader in terms of emotionally and um and being sort of that guiding force um drexler was the best player on those teams but he was not considered sort of the uh, emotional spark or 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 the leader beyond just being their best player every single night the sort of knock on clyde is that he would show up to the arena 30 minutes before tip-off and uh then give the other team 25 and 10 and it wouldn't matter. He was just, he just got it done. So I think Lillard a better leader. He's probably better at all sort of the soft stuff um, being, and by that I mean sort of like just interpersonal things about, about leading a basketball team, about being the face of a franchise. But Drexler had better teams. Uh, Porter, Duckworth, Kersey, Buck Williams is a better core group throw in Danny Ains and Drazen Petrovic is a better core group. Cliff Robinson, let me not forget Uncle Cliffy, uh, is a better core group than Dame's ever had. Uh, I think he approached it a couple years ago. He probably approached it in his third season with and fourth season with the uh, Wes and Nico Rolo and LaMarcus Aldridge team. Uh, he probably approached it last year, uh, that the, the 2018-2019 season when if Nurk had been healthy, that was that was a really really deep roster. Um, but I think Drexler's always just they they just had better teams. Um, he had better teammates. I think there's still a very compelling case to say that Drexler is the greatest Blazer of all time, and Lillard has to do more with on the court to get there. But Dame's going to be the all-time leading scorer. He's going to lead the franchise in assists and minutes and games. He's going to have the longevity that Drexler didn't. And I just think. If Dame isn't already the greatest Blazer of all time, I just can't imagine a scenario by 2024 when it's when there's much of a debate about it. Certainly old heads will always debate it and they'll tell me that I didn't know because I didn't see it. And that's fair enough. Sam from Gmail brings us our next question. Sam asks, I've noticed around the league over the last few years, notably Alex Caruso in 2017-2018, players on two-way contracts have re-signed with their incumbent teams. Jalen Horde, Blazers two-way player this year, looks to have some real potential as a prospect, but likely another couple of years of positively contributing and would be a misuse of a 15-man roster spot in 2020-2021. Would it make sense for him to sign as a restricted free agent to return to Portland as a two-way? I think the question here is, for whom does it make sense? Uh, I like. I think Jalen Horde could be an NBA player. Um, just his size and his skills from the very, very little we've seen of him, he seems to be kind of have the makings of an NBA player. Still super young, you know, 21 years old. I like him as a prospect, the same way you do, Sam. Uh, the problem is, does it make more sense for Jalen Horde to try to go sign a minimum deal somewhere else in the league and get actual NBA minutes? Does it make sense for Jalen Horde to go play in another league that's not the NBA? And get real minutes, and and you know he's he's from France, has family in France still. So does it make more sense to him to go back to France for a year, get seasoned in a professional league, a relatively high level professional league, and, and try to come back to the NBA in a couple seasons, or does you know if you leave the league, if you're out of the spotlight, is is it too late for you? Does it make sense for the Blazers to try to bring back Jalen Horde as a two way player? Absolutely, if he if he was willing to do it. The problem is that it's 
those are not big contracts. You're not making a bunch of money. You're making well, 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 well below the NBA minimum. So it might not make sense for him financially. And like you said, it might not make sense for them to offer him a minimum contract because what they want at the end of their bench is probably more like people who could contribute in a real way as opposed to developing prospects, right? Like they already have Nazir Little and potentially another rookie in the that will be in the sort of incubator. They don't need to add another name to the list unless it's a two-way guy. So I think it really would make sense for the Blazers to get Horde back, but it would make sense for Horde to come back. I'm not quite sure that it does. Next question comes from Austin Tyler at Austin New 21 on Twitter who asks flash forward to the end of next season the Blazers are third in the West with 56 wins and Dame average 29 8 5 and a five rebounds and a steal would it be small market robbery if he doesn't take home that MVP hardware Austin there is nothing more beautiful than preemptive angst preemptive anger about Damian Lillard getting snubbed in a small market. There is, that is truly beautiful fandom. Truly beautiful. I love it. I salute it. And I also think that 29, 8, and 5 will be worse counting numbers than what James Harden puts up. They'll probably be pretty similar numbers to what a guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James put up. So I'm not so worried about those stats as I am about the 56 wins part. If, the, if Damian Lillard gets the Blazers to... a over 55 wins. I th- First of all, I think that's second place in the West. But if the Blazers are are up there, 55 plus wins, he's in the conversation. He's no lock. He's no lock. Like those numbers you're talking about they, and those wins you're talking about, they wouldn't touch what Giannis Antetokounmpo did this year. I'm not sure in this scenario you've cooked up that it's definitely robbery, but at that, like what, what you have got there, you know, 30 and eight and five and a 55 win team, that is the formula that Dame needs to be a legitimate MVP candidate. But I'm glad you're already mad about it. Bless you. Bless all preemptive anger, all preemptive outrage over perceived slights to a small market NBA team. That is just chef kiss, beautiful stuff. I love it. All right, let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions. But first, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. You know rockauto.com because they've been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. That's right. Rockauto.com is the family business where you can go to shop for all your auto and body part needs from hundreds of manufacturers. Because they got everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and they'll deliver it directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. And oh, those prices, y'all. Because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low. The prices are the best part. They're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Go. Yeah, those same people that brought you the delicious protein bars at Built Bar have also got the best workout gel on the market. Built Go gets you through that mental or physical wall. They help you break through it and go every day. So what is Built Go? Like I said, it's the best workout gel on the market. It's a 1.5 ounce package. 
easy to take with you, throw it in your bag, throw it in your back pocket, wherever you're going, bring it with you so you can, like I said, break through your wall. And it comes in three three delicious flavors. That's peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It's basically like five-hour energy without that crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's much better for your body. It's like, you know, drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. What better results, you ask? Well, here's why it works so well. Build Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach. Build Go is also loaded with good stuff like beta alanine, B3, and honey, and a kick of caffeine. It's 100 milligrams of caffeine, slightly less than a cup of coffee, but the right amount to get you going. And Built Go also keeps you going because it's got B6 and 10,000% of your daily percentage of B12. I've tried these little Built Go packets. I like them. I think you'll like them too. And if you want to test them out, here's what you do. You go to builtgo.com and use a promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, you'll get 30% off your next order. That's a promo code LOCKED for 30% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. All right. Let's keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Hamilton from Gmail who asks, I was wondering how much we would have to pay when and if Jeremy Grant goes into free agency. I think he would be a really good power forward. I think he would be better than Carmelo Anthony. Is there any way we could make that work? Basically what I'm asking is do we have the money to sign him? The simple answer to this question is probably not. But let me lay out the basics of the finances. The Blazers are going to be right above the tax. They were probably going to be right below, or excuse me, right above the salary cap line. They're basically going to be right below it. But if we're assuming that because of coronavirus and remember way back when, when Daryl Morey said free Hong Kong and the, the NBA was so worried that they were going to lose tons and tons and tons of money from China. Doesn't that feel, th- th- seem like a thing that happened like ages ago? I mean, it literally happened a year ago, but uh, you get the point. A lot has a lot has transpired since then, and it, none of it has been good for the NBA's bottom line. So it's very likely that the um, the salary cap line, which was going to be projected to be about 115, is probably going to stay right at that 109 mark where it was this year. So if we assume it doesn't move, uh, and the salary cap remains at that 109 mark then the blazers will be above the will be above the cap will be above the cap and they will be their best asset to sign someone as a team above the cap is the mid-level exception the mid-level exception this season was 9.258 million dollars so let's assume that 9.3 million is right where it is next year the biggest contract you can offer someone with the which is what is referred to as the full mid-level exception would be a four-year deal with five percent raises from that 9.3 million dollar number so without you having to crunch those numbers at home that's about 39.8 million. So a four-year, just shy of $40 million deal for Jeremy Grant, and I don't think that's enough because he was awesome for the Denver Nuggets, and they've got other free agents leaving town in Paul Millsap and Mason Plumley. If they were going to prioritize anyone, the better, younger players who they're going to prioritize, he's just going to make he's going to make north of $12 million, $13, $14 million a year, which could be an overpay for Jeremy Grant, but I think he's going to make that kind of money, so it seems unlikely the Blazers will be able to pay him with what they've got. A lot of people wondered about Jeremy Grant, though, Hamilton. You were not alone. 
including this next question that comes from Jesse from Gmail, who says, you seem to be high my guy, Jeremy Grant. Uh, longtime listeners will know Jesse, Syracuse fan. Jeremy Grant went to Syracuse. Jesse continues, I'd like to see him playing alongside Mello again. Again? Jeremy Grant and Mello missed each other by like 10 years in college. Maybe they played in pickup games in Syracuse I don't know about. In any case, Jesse continues, even though they are both best of the four, I don't think the Nuggets want to give them up. The Nuggets do, however, have a plethora of forwards on the team. I have an elementary understanding of all the money, contra- money contract trade stuff, but could you come up with the trade scenarios and how likely they are centered around the following players as well if you like the trade? So Jesse lays out four possible options for trading for Jeremy Grant. This would have to be a sign-in trade. Let's just assume the Nuggets are, in, are willing to listen to the phone call or whatever. Number one, Nurk. Hell no, the Nuggets are not going to trade back for Nurk, who demanded a trade because he was stuck behind Nikola Jokic. Hell no. That's a zero non-starter. Hassan Whiteside, um, some sort of double sign-and-trade Terry Rozier, Kemba Walker style. I can't imagine that the Denver Nuggets, who prioritize length and like passing from their big men, multi-skilled um, bigs in Mason Plumley and Paul Millsap and and Nikola Jokic want the incredibly one-dimensional or 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 just like skill-limited Hassan Whiteside, and he's like a huge downgrade from Jeremy Grant for what they want to do and what any team wants to do. Jeremy Grant's a way better basketball player than Hassan Whiteside. That's probably a hell no too. Three, CJ McCollum. I mean, I think Denver answers the call on this one. Uh, it gets a little bit tricky because CJ McCollum makes so much more money. Uh, he makes, you know, $28 million. And you're talking about Jeremy Grant. Even if you sign him to $20 million a year, you've got to match salaries, get around $7 million extra bucks. I'm not going to do all the math because I don't think the Blazers even consider this trade because it is such a massive downgrade. Jeremy Grant, who would be helpful if CJ was his teammate to trade CJ McCollum for him. Now your second best player on the Blazers is Yusuf Nurkic and your third best player is Jeremy Grant. Is that a is that a playoff team? I'm not 100% sure. Um, it gets maybe the Blazers are longer and better on defense, but I, I, that's too much of a talent downgrade. Blazers hang up the call. Fourth option, Rodney Hood and the young guys. I think some combination of Rodney Hood, Gary Trent Jr., and draft picks in some, in some sign-and-trade gets the Nuggets to at least consider it. But the Nuggets just made the Western Conference Finals. They are not looking to get younger and have potential for the future. They are looking to kick in the door and become a championship-level team. You better, offer them some, you better offer them some sort of finished product. And Gary Trent Jr., while enticing, is not a finished product. Uh, no guarantee that he ends up like way better than... Gary Harris. I think he probably, Gary Harris is probably a pretty good comp for Gary Trent Jr. in the future, except that he won't forget how to shoot like Gary Harris did. But yeah, picks and Rodney Hood coming off and Achilles and Gary Harris and Gary Trent, excuse me, I got my Gary's confused. I don't, I, I don't think the Nuggets want to do that. Sorry, I think all of those, three of them non-starters from Denver side and the CJ one a non-starter from Portland side, not going to happen. Next question comes from JJ from Gmail, who asks, how do you feel about Ariza, Simons, and our 16th pick for Kelly Oubre? I feel like that's a great trade for the Blazers. Kelly Oubre is really good. He can play either the three or the four spots. He's at least competitive defensively. I wouldn't call I wouldn't go as far to call him a good defender, but I think he is interested in playing defense and he's long enough to be good at it sometimes. I don't think the Suns are doing that, though. I don't really know why they would want 36-year-old Ariza back. Simons, uh, I 
we'd be shocked if Simons has more value outside of Portland anywhere. Um, I know the Blazers think he's going to be really good. I'd be surprised if any other teams like really value him at that level. And the 16th pick, you know, in a draft that's considered a down year. I don't know what, what you're what the Suns get out of that. My thing is that the Suns, like the Nuggets, they're trying to take that step forward. They're trying to be a playoff team next year. They don't want to be hopeful and have a nice veteran. They want they want to be they want to upgrade the roster and they didn't really have Kelly Oubre in the bubble. I mean he was in the bubble, but he wasn't on the court because of an injury. I think they think they can take that step forward with Oubre in the lineup. I can't see them agreeing to that deal. If I'm the Blazers though, hell yeah. I mean in a heartbeat. JJ offers another question asking, would Ariza's contract be used as a sign and trade bait this offseason along with our pick as an attempt to get Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood? We've got more Jeremy Grant talk. Listen, Jeremy Grant would be awesome on the Blazers. I think he's really good. I think he would be a really helpful player. The Nuggets traded a first round pick for him last year uh, to OKC and OKC was kind of restructuring, maybe just loading up assets and and saying that, you know, he's not part of our long term future because he's a like a really good complimentary player, but not a future star. Uh, Good trade for both teams. Grant really helped the Nuggets. Uh, The pick, I guess, will help Sam Presti have lots of picks. He seems to be that seems to be his move. He's definitely going to get that done. Jeremy Grant, though, I don't th- I don't understand why the Nuggets would do that. A sign and trade for Ariza, who's way worse, and a and a and a pick who's again a young person. They want veterans who could help. Um, Christian Wood, this is an interesting one because what if Detroit decides that Christian Wood, who was a breakout player for them last year, he barely made the team out of training camp, and then he ended up a starter at the end of the year. But I think he's in line for like. 15 to 20 million dollar salary but maybe the pistons there is a there is a scenario where the pistons say christian wood four for 80 million dollars we don't want anything to do with that but we will sign and trade him to to a team that's willing to give us an expiring deal like ariza's and a draft pick because we want we're going to have a four or five year rebuild and christian wood even at 25 as a kind of a forward center more of like a center who doesn't isn't really strong enough to guard fives um you know maybe he's not part of the plan i think there's an outside chance it happens but it doesn't seem very likely to me i just don't think trevor reza at age 36 an expiring deal and the 16th pick in an nba draft that people aren't super excited about is much of a trade package and jeremy grant and christian wood are two of the best forwards and kind of an underwhelming free agent class Bad draft, bad free agency. A weird time to need to improve, but the Blazers can still do it. It's just they're going to have to be more creative than going after these sort of the biggest names on the market, right? They don't have the assets to do that. Roster building is tough when you have 65% of the cap tied up in two guards. It gets even tougher. I mean, it's Dame is really good. CJ is really good. But the the way to make the roster better is limited by how much you money you have committed to them. Uh, and the the sort of spare parts you have to trade maybe aren't super sexy on the open market. That's just the reality for the Blazers. All right, let's come back. Third segment, close out the show with more of your questions on this beautiful Mailbag Monday. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. We're still rolling through Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Austin Tyler at AustinNew21. Austin, you're getting two questions in the show. Good work, Austin asks. 
I know it's usually a no-no to roster build with a certain matchup in mind, but it seems inevitable for the next couple of years to have to go through AD and the Lakers. That's Anthony Davis. Do the Blazers have enough to challenge him, or should a defensive power forward be signed on to help? Regardless of Anthony Davis, the Blazers should sign a defender who can play the three and the four. Actually, I should say they should sign a defender who can play the four and also maybe a little bit of three. Y'all ever heard about Jeremy Grant? He's like a long-rangey 4-3 type who plays for the Denver Nuggets. I think it'd be really useful. He went to DeMatha Catholic High School before Syracuse. His dad is actually Harvey Grant, uh, the twin brother of Horace Grant. Harvey played for the Blazers briefly. Did you know? Joking aside, though, um, (laughs) Jeremy Grant didn't shut Anthony Davis down. As well-built as he is, Anthony Davis was um, rampaging over those poor Nuggets when he got rolling. Here's the thing. No one has ever stopped Anthony Davis in the playoffs. You look at his numbers year by year in the playoffs. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but when he's been in the playoffs, he has kicked ass because he is one of the five best players in the league. Game three, the NBA Finals aside, where he just disappeared and got out of rhythm, um, got into foul trouble and, and kind of just was unusually quiet. But on the whole, Anthony Davis is fantastic. And while... The Blazers do not have enough to stop him right now. I don't think that there's a player that you could say, oh, he'll be able to guard Anthony Davis. The way you guard Anthony Davis is that your team is better than him and you can survive him having 30 and 15. The Blazers should add a defensive power forward because they desperately need that on their roster. And if that person can help them guard Anthony Davis, so be it. What a what a nice bonus. But they need to, the Blazers need to get up to that level and then worry as opposed to specifically design a team to beat Anthony Davis. But in any case, what you need to beat Anthony Davis is a really good roster, and the Blazers, what they need to do is have a better roster, right? Like, that's that's the direction they need to head, regardless of who is at the end of the tunnel. Next question comes from Taylor from Gmail, who asks, With Victor Oladipo reportedly wanting to leave the, wanting to leave the Pacers, do you think the Blazers make a run at him? I do not! No! Taylor asks for realistic trade packages. So Jared Weiss of The Athletic reported kind of in, a, in a, just a piece about um, the Boston Celtics future that he had heard rumors that um, Victor Oladipo had was was not maybe not had publicly requested a trade, but was just ready to move on from from the Indiana Pacers. That kind of checks out with all the public things we've seen. Oladipo was spending all year coming back from a ruptured quad and he would always break his like recovery news through back channels as opposed to the team announcing it. It would always be announced through unnamed sources, through uh, uh, through reporters, mainly Shamstrani of The Athletic. Whenever a dude's breaking their injury news via their agent back channeling through a reporter, that means maybe they're not super down with the team. It's just a little tea leave reading. So I believe that Oladipo is... Um, is on the market. Um, my thing is that the Blazers to trade for him, um, it's, you know, here's like, here's a trade that works. Victor Oladipo and Doug McDermott for CJ McCollum and Gary Trent Jr. Here's the problem. That makes the Blazers worse. I'm not a hundred percent sure coming off the ruptured quad that Oladipo is going to get back to that all-star level where he was definitely better than Victor than CJ McCollum. And when he was at his absolute best, he was a on-ball dominant high usage player. You gave him the ball and let him work. When he was off the ball watching 
Russell Westbrook do his thing, wasn't nearly as good of a basketball player. He's the best when he's in full control of the offense. And to me, playing next to Damian Lillard, that's never what he's going to be. So both for fit-wise and for realistic trade-wise, again, the Blazers do not have that sort of mid-range, sexy salary to trade away. They don't have... They don't have really enticing young players necessarily to trade away. I'm not sure Ant Simons and Nazir Little and uh, Zach Collins really appeal to a ton, a ton of teams out there uh, in the way that they appeal to the Blazers front office. Not saying they can't be good, just saying that the Blazers value them more than other teams. So I don't, I don't think the Blazers, one, I don't think the Blazers would pursue him. Two, I don't think the Blazers have the parts to trade for him if they wanted to. And three, I'm not sure that he helps the roster. So yeah, I guess I'm not a Victor Oladipo guy. Whoops. Next question comes from Northwest Jeff from Gmail. Northwest Jeff asks, he actually, Northwest Jeff just gave us a full-on role play, so I will read it. Here's Northwest Jeff entering the Blazers' team facility. Oh, hey there, Mr. Olshay. The team here at HQ has narrowed down the list of possible free agent targets to reach out to with our full mid-level exception. Who should we reach out to first? Knowing that they, if they turn us down, our second, third, and maybe fourth options might be off the market by the time they tell us no. Here are the candidates I think could accept an offer from us depending on the type of deal we extend. D- Davis Bertons, Christian Wood, Joe Harris, DeMar DeRozan, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, Furkan Korkmaz. Who should we call at midnight, Neil? How should we rank the list? Or is there someone else you'd like to add here? Okay, let's just quickly roll through these. Davis Berton's going to be the number one priority for the Wizards. They let him not go to the bubble with the plan to sign him in the future. He's not going to be available. Sorry, Christian Wood, probably going to make twice as much money as a mid-level exception, not going to be available for the Blazers. Joe Harris, uh, Sean Marks said that he will be Brooklyn's top priority in the free agency. Uh, While I think he would help, and the Blazers, I know, have had interest in Joe Harris in the past, I think he is going to get more money than they can offer him and is going to stay with the team in Brooklyn because the the incumbent is going to offer him a bunch of money. DeMar DeRozan, I think he's making way more money than the mid-level exception. Jeremy Grant, I think he's making more money than the mid-level exception. So that brings us to Furkan Korkmaz. I mean, don't give him four for 40, but yeah, call up Furkan. He's your number one pick. Final question of the show comes from Bangkok Bill from Gmail. Bangkok Bill wrote a massive email that I will condense down. Bangkok Bill thinks basically that the next 18 to 24 months are the most important part of Neil Olshay's tenure because this is the peak of Dame's career and that Olshay needs to make shrewd decisions so they have a clear championship window. Bangkok Bill offers us four trade proposals to consider. One, Phoenix sends Kelly Oubre. People love Kelly Oubre for Trevor Reza, Anthony Simons, Nazir Little, and a 2020 first round pick. Uh, I think this is the same as the last uh, Oubre trade. Um, I'm not sure that the Suns want this sort of future help of Simons and Little and the, and the, the downgrade from Ubre to Ariza and the first round pick. Like the Suns want to get pushed over the top and everyone in the league wants two-way wings. The Suns have one. They have one in Bridges. They have Cam Johnson. They have Ubre. They finally have this versatility and depth on the wing that every team is kind of looking for. Now they don't have stars, but they've got a bunch of B pluses. The Blazers would kill for those type of B pluses. I I don't think this package gets it done to Phoenix, but I that one's getting a strong I would I'm actually I'm in on that too. Ariza Simons Little and a first for Ubre. Um yeah, I think Ubre is enough of an upgrade that you you maybe you miss out on Simons becoming a star and Little becoming a really solid player, but 
you know, you want to be as good as you can in these next couple seasons with Dame. So I like it, but the Suns are the Suns are hanging up. The Blazers send Zach Collins and Gary Trent to Chicago for Lowry Markinen. So a friend of mine who is a Chicago Bulls watcher says Lowry Markinen sucks. Um, I don't know if I agree with that, but he watched, you know, 50 of their 65 games this year, and he thinks that Lowry Markinen sucks. Um, I don't know if he's definitely an upgrade over... Like, I think he's an upgrade over Collins, but I think that that trade... For me, I don't like that trade. Um, I'm, I'm not trading Gary Trent Jr. and Collins. I'm not trading Gary Trent Jr. because he's your best wing right now, probably. I, um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not doing it. I'm not even explaining it anymore. No, I'm saying no to that one. Blazers, next one, number three. New York Knicks send Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielakina for Mario Hazonia and a 2020 second round pick. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um... Mario gets reunited in New York. The Blazers give up their second round pick. Bummer. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. is probably not very good. He's probably like a like a low level backup point guard. I would love to see Neil Akina in a um, in a, like an actual NBA franchise, not playing for the Knicks. Not sure he's an NBA player either, but I'd love to take a swing at it. And if the price is Mario and a second rounder, I'm doing that. Um, a lot of that leaves the Blazers with a lot of guards on the roster. Who boy? Um, but sure, I'll do it. Bangkok Bill adds that TJ Warren is also a coveted trade target, but fears that Kevin Pritchard, the GM of the Indiana Pacers, is still hurt about how Paul Allen Pritch slapped him. I thought a Pritch slap was something that only Kevin Pritchard could do. I didn't know that Kevin Pritchard could be the victim of a Pritch slap. You know, you learn something new every day, and that's the beauty of Locked On Blazers, is the learning. That's going to do it for Mailbag Monday. We had a lot, a lot, a lot of trade proposals, and a lot of them were about Jeremy Grant. We're going to have to talk about Jeremy Grant. We're going to have to have a Jeremy Grant blowout episode where we just where we just celebrate Jeremy Grant. We talk about how good it would be, and then we spend seven more minutes of me telling you, dear listeners, that it's hard to get Jeremy Grant on the roster because he's, he's known to be good, unfortunately. We all know, if you all know and I know, the Nuggets probably know too. We got more fun stuff coming this week on Locked On Blazers. We've got an interview with Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, formerly of Blazers Edge here in Portland. We got the second part of my interview with Sean Keen and Joey Devine of Roundball Rock. Uh, if you didn't listen to the first half of that interview, it's in your podcast feed right now. And if you missed it last week, Terry Stotts was on the show, Blazers coach, chatting about bubble life and his time in the Continental Basketball Association. It's a fun interview, too. We got a bunch of fun stuff. We're going to continue our season wrap-ups. We still got a last couple of those to finish up the roster, finish up looking back on the 2019 season and head to next year. And with all that coming, we're still going to do Mailbag Monday next week. So tweet at me, Mike G. Rich on Twitter, or send me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. You can get in the show. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.